Welcome to Betrayal Trauma Recovery. This is Anne. For the past three weeks, I've been talking with my personal friend, Lindsay. She lives in the same area that I do. We have attended the same 12-step group, so we know each other personally and we hang out. And I'm so grateful that she's spent this time with me. So if you have not heard the last three episodes with Lindsay, I encourage you to go back Start from about three weeks ago and listen to them in order so that you're kind of up to date and you have the full story. Today we're going to start talking about benchmarks. Benchmarks aren't boundaries. You set a boundary and then you wait for benchmarks. For example, if your boundary is a separation and one of your benchmarks is that they do a polygraph and then you can kind of see how the polygraph went. Or one of your benchmarks might be that they take accountability. So a benchmark is something they do and a boundary is something you do. And that's the difference. So we're just gonna jump right into this conversation about benchmarks today. So talk about some of the benchmarks you have now for this boundary. I smile at that because this is something that we've gone back and forth on actually quite a lot. My husband in particular, one of the areas of his recovery that he is really trying to work on is the expectations. One of the roots of his dishonesty is he wants to fulfill people's expectations of him. And so for me, I made a very conscious decision pretty early on in actually our in-home separation and also in this out-of-home separation to say, I am not going to outline a plan for you. I'm not going to outline what I need to see in order for this to be better. I'll stop you there because I think that's a good idea. The reason I think it's a good idea is because if you give them this list of like, okay, I need you to go to group every week. I need you to go to therapy every week. I need you to do this. I need you to do that then they can fake all of that, but Mm -hmm. it doesn't, they can check off all those boxes, but it doesn't mean anything. It means nothing. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's a good idea to just say, I don't know. I'll keep praying. I'll keep pondering. I'll keep observing Mm -hmm. and I'll see how it feels. Right. Yeah. And I mean, for him, what I know of him, I felt pretty comfortable saying, If he comes up with a plan himself and then follows through with that plan, I feel like I can trust that that's a move towards healthy behaviors. That wouldn't work for everybody because some people would just make a list and check off the boxes. But where he's at right now, I can trust pretty much he's not going to commit to something that he's not ready to do. One of the things I've encourage you to do mm-hmm. and you don't have to do this mm-hmm. and I don't care if you do it <laughs> but in your scenario because he's lied to you so many times mm-hmm. is to consider a polygraph of some kind yes is that so, something that you've considered or something that he's said I'm not doing that or anything like that we've definitely talked about it I am definitely all for doing a therapeutic full disclosure along with a polygraph at this point Both of us are very aware that that's pretty far in the future in terms of possibility, in terms of what he, with his current therapist and his former therapist, they both basically have said he's not ready yet to be working on that. That's really annoying. It is. Why is that? He's just a sissy? 
No, because (laughs) (laughs) because he's at a place where he can't even disclose that he's acting out last week. And his new therapist he's only met with twice. So, I mean, that relationship is pretty early on as it is. I'm not a fan of this drawing it out. I, no. But not that you can do anything about it. I can't it, do anything about but it. But I'm just like, I don't want therapists to be like, that seems here's, like it's here's putting my you in caveat. for like, you know, months and months. <laughs> no, here's my caveat to that. I'm hearing what his therapist is saying oh. through his mouth. <laughs> so it's definitely possible that it's going through a filter there. Yeah. Well, and my guess is I'm probably wrong. Yeah. But he really doesn't want to do a polygraph because you're going to find out way more than you know right now. I think he's okay with the idea of it. But when it comes down to the reality of actually having to sit down and deal with the tough stuff, he doesn't want to face that. Which makes sense. I mean, honestly, I did my step four and that was a pretty hard experience for me. So I can see why. He wouldn't want, he wouldn't feel up and ready to jump right into it and really excited about it. But what that shows us, you and I, is that he's more concerned about his own comfort than your safety. Well, absolutely. I mean, that's why we're in this place right now. Right. To begin with. I mean, that's why the lying happens. That's why the lapse in recovery work happens. I mean, that's at the heart of it anyway. Yeah. So I'm not surprised by that. Yeah. I'm mad. (laughs) I'm mad because I'm your friend and I care about you. And this process to determine whether or not someone is going to actually learn and apply and practice and live healthy behaviors takes a long time. Mm Mm-hmm. It's not like divorce is going to solve your problem, right? No, absolutely not. Because if you got divorced, then, I mean, what? You're just going to date another guy that has a sex addiction? <laughs> like, no, that's not that's not the option. That's not an option. No, the ideal is that he would stop wasting time and hurting you and hurting himself and suck it up and do the right thing, really. Well, yeah. No. I'm sorry I called him a sissy, but he no. is one. <laughs> I think it may feel like I'm downplaying it. No, it doesn't when feel like in, that. Well, how much that may hurt me right now, simply because that's kind of been part of my own recovery journey, and it's something that I've had to come to terms with. Yeah. That initially when I started recovery, in my ignorance, I thought, okay, you know, they have a three to five year recovery time when they say, okay, if they start working recovery three to five years from now, you can see significant improvement. So I thought, okay, I've started my recovery. Let's start that clock. (laughs) And it took me a while to come to terms with the fact that simply because I had started to do my own healing, my own work, did not mean that he has did not mean that he's ready, did not mean he's committed. And in some ways, it actually was harmful to him and to me for me to have that expectation. Well, and I think that's why safety first is the best way to go, right? Mm -hmm. If you're thinking, I need to establish safety for myself and for my home, and I don't exactly know how to go about that, 
right? Mm -hmm. But safety is the top priority. And I'm going to continue to set boundaries until I feel safe, whatever that looks like. Mm -hmm. Then you're never going to go wrong, right? And it could take 10 years. It could take, you don't know how long it's going to take. But that way it's based on your level of safety. And that's something that you can actually make progress toward. Yeah. Right? You can make, you're making progress toward that. It's taking a long time, which is fine. That's okay. But that's where you're going. And whether or not your safety ends up being that you hold, well, let's just pretend in four years, a no contact boundary with an Mm ex-husband, or if that safety means that he's made enough healthy choices that he can be safe enough to move back in. Either way, you have worked toward your own safety and you're making progress. Mm -hmm. And that may not feel like it right now, but you're going to get there Mm -hmm. because that is completely within your own control. The idea of getting there is, it's not my goal. It's my goal is to keep moving in that direction because really realistically, I don't think there's ever going to be a point at which I say, okay, I'm totally safe. I've made it. Yeah, that's, I agree. (laughs) I agree. So for me, I've set a no contact boundary. I'm now divorced. I am getting safer all the time. Mm -hmm. Right. But I definitely feel like I'm way more safe than I was before. Mm -hmm. Right. And I'm still working toward that. But my level of safety is like extremely high now compared to how it was before. So I wouldn't, I, and also as I have worked through my own weaknesses and problems mm-hmm. is really cool. Like all the people who surround me now, like who are close to me are really safe people. Mm-hmm. And so even though there's lots of people who don't like me tons yeah. and I have a lot of haters, including my ex and his family, I feel pretty safe in general there are days when I don't one thing that I feel maybe some caution around the word safety is just the idea that any relationship whether it's marriage or just with a friend or a family member you can't expect there to be no conflict you can't expect there to be no risks no hurt no no reason for being in pain And so I feel some caution around the word safety simply because I don't want to be so focused on the goal of safety that I don't open myself up to deep, meaningful, loving Uh, relationships. That's interesting because I don't feel that way at all. I feel very safe Mm -hmm. with my close friends and family, Mm -hmm. but we're getting in fights all the time. Mm -hmm. But it's safe space. Mm-hmm. I'm not abused. Right. Right. right? I'm not lied to. Mm-hmm. I'm not accused of things. Right. I'm not gaslit. So is there conflict? Totally. Right. In fact, I'm very confrontational, <laughs> as are so many of the people well, around and, me. And that makes sense. I mean, with your background and your personality, yeah. it of course makes sense. But for me, who I am naturally, and I know this about myself, I'm naturally conflict averse. Right. I want to be careful about me pushing safety too or, far. Or you confusing, I think might be the better word, confusing safety and peace with a complete and total lack of conflict. Maybe. Because safety can mean 
not being in pain to some people. For sure. But I wouldn't say I'm in pain. I mean, I have conflicts that hurt my feelings or whatever, but it's resolvable. Well, yeah. With a safe person, but you I can guess what I'm resolve it. Is... And so the pain can be resolved, not like uber quickly, but like rather quickly. Like mm -hmm. if you get in a conflict, you can resolve it within a week, let's say, <laughs> which is great. These other conflicts with your spouse or ex-spouse that are unresolvable, right? That take pain forever. Yeah. Or they're not unresolvable. They're resolvable. But I mean, like, it's just not anytime soon. So the safe space that I have now is, do I get my feelings hurt? Yeah. But the level of pain is like completely different because it's so much different to repair. Well, and I guess what I'm saying is it's not just like pain from getting feelings hurt, but it's also... I want to be open to the pain of growth, the growth in a relationship yeah. that may come from conflict that lasts for a while. Right. But that doesn't mean you're unsafe. No. But to some people and in some situations, the idea of being in pain, period, may feel unsafe. Hmm. So, for example, in my relationship with my parents... I have a lot of growth to do there. <laughs> there has been some yes. areas of conflict that have not been resolved. Right. At all, ever, period. And that is painful when I'm thinking about it. I, I don't sit and dwell on that one relationship mm -hmm. or that mm -hmm. area of conflict at all times. But it's okay. I feel like that is the pain of growth, saying that, okay, it's okay for me to feel the pain of saying I'm wrong sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> you know? totally. But that again, safety is about, is this person lying to you? Are they trying to manipulate you? Mm -hmm. Are they hurting you on purpose mm -hmm. to try and take the attention away from their unhealthy behaviors? Mm -hmm. Right? So if the person is genuine, they really genuinely care for you. They're not trying to manipulate you. Like my mom, for example, I'll just bring her up. She really wants me to do certain things. And mm -hmm. she tries to convince me in a lot of different ways. And could I call it manipulation? Maybe, but not really. Mm -hmm. Because she's very direct about it. I don't like those shoes you're wearing. I don't want you to wear them. Let me tell you the 17 reasons why they're ugly. And then she'll tell me that over and over and over, right? And I'm like, I let's like go shoe shoes. shopping together. And No, she doesn't say that at all. No. She doesn't say, oh, let me buy. No, no, no. There's none of that. It's those shoes are ugly. Don't wear them anymore. And then she'll, you know, think of other reasons. She's doing that because she genuinely loves and cares about me, mm -hmm. which is so different than coming from a place of, I'm trying to hide things from you. I'm mm -hmm. trying to make sure that you don't confront me about my abusive behaviors. I think safety with people, even if there's conflict, is totally achievable. Mm -hmm. So we can agree. Well, we can maybe no, agree yeah, to disagree. Absolutely. I'm definitely okay with that. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. No, you can get to safety. Well, you really can. And I do believe that. I just know that from my perspective where safety has been a very unclear thing to me when I was early in recovery and to people who are around me. Yeah. It can be misinterpreted very easily. That's so interesting. Maybe I need to go back and fix all my podcast episodes. 
Because I'm always talking about safety and people are like, well, that means that we never get in an argument or that means this. And I'm like, no, it doesn't. It's never meant that. But Mm -hmm. I'm wondering now, are people interpreting this differently than than how I intend it? Which they do all the time. Yeah. But that's really interesting. There's no way we can ever have a life free of conflict. And actually, we don't want that. Right. Right. Which would mean someone is lying or someone isn't sharing. But I used to think that that's what I would want. Mm. I used to think that if I was in conflict in a relationship, that things were not okay. That relationship is not okay. And I think it depends on what you're having a conflict about. You're having a conflict about your shoes. That relationship is fine. (laughs) Right. Right. If Uh you're having a conflict about whether or not someone is stabbing people. Mm Mm-hmm. That is not okay, right? right? It's not going to be okay ever. Yeah. So what are your next steps? Are you feeling like you want to just settle into this? No, I don't. I don't want to settle into this because this is not my ideal. Realistically, I don't control him. I can't make him do anything. So for me, it's on the relationship front, it's a waiting game. Wait and see what happens. See what he does. See how he acts. And see what happens. I don't think I mentioned this earlier, so I'll mention it now. The key to that for me is developing and keeping my relationship with my higher power such that I feel like I can trust my higher power to let me know if something is off. Because realistically, I don't know if he's lying to me. I don't know if he's acting out. I don't know. There's a lot that I don't know because I'm unobservant and that's just how things are. However, I have had multiple key moments in my relationship with my husband and in my own recovery journey where I know that my higher power has made me aware of things that I did not know. Do you feel like your relationship with God, I'll just say God, since you believe in God and he is who you view as your higher power. Do you feel like your relationship with God has improved over time? Yes and no. Yes, obviously it has because I'm working on myself and that's always a good thing. No, in that I still struggle in some of the basics. I still struggle with connecting with my higher power on a regular basis. I still struggle with having the motivation to want to do the things that I know I need to do to keep that connection strong. Like prayer or scripture study study, or whatever. Even doing step work, (laughs) which is not quite connection with my higher power, but it is. It's the little things that even on a day-to-day basis, I know I still have a lot of work to do on my end to make things feel in a better space for me where I want to be so not a ton of women set boundaries like this boundaries are hard and especially having your husband move out is a very difficult boundary to decide on Mm -hmm. and to do so let's talk about first of all if you could go back in time and talk to your younger self Mm -hmm. and tell her some things about boundaries that you have learned what would you tell her That it's okay not to know what you're doing. Because realistically, I don't know that I would have learned the things that I needed to learn in order to set these boundaries any sooner than I did. 
even if I told myself anything, any advice I could have given myself. And that's okay. It's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to not have it down right now. And it is something that's going to take time. I agree. I am now such an expert at boundaries. <laughs> but I didn't set a boundary at all before my ex was arrested. That was God telling me, let me help you out. You clearly are having problems and just let me do this for you. I feel like that's what happened. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, thank you. I can breathe now. And then I could figure out how to set boundaries. And I've just basically kept the boundary that God gave to me. Thank goodness. I don't think I ever could have done it otherwise. Going back in time, I'd be like, you're really, really bad at boundaries. That's what I would have told myself. Uh -huh. <laughs> you're stinking it up. Mm -hmm. down here. Um, so for women right now who are considering a separation or mm -hmm. an in-home separation or an out-of-home separation, do you have any words of wisdom you could share with them? I just know what I did. It helped to talk to a lot of people. It helped to talk not only with people who are in the same boat as me, but also with people who aren't, people who have a completely different perspective. And also talk with experts. Reach out to a therapist, reach out to a sponsor, reach out to somebody who may be a little bit ahead of you on the journey, and then the people that are right there in the trenches with you. Because it helped to talk it out. It helped me clarify what my thoughts were and my feelings were. And then also being open to guidance from my higher power. I can't honestly say that it's something that I knelt down and prayed about because that's just not the place I'm at right now but connecting in other ways and being open yeah this is a tough journey it's kind of wild yeah when you think about it yeah. it's like a relationship rodeo <laughs> and it's intense and it's unpredictable mm -hmm. I like that relationship rodeo I just came up with that <laughs> people. I think that peace is a good goal to work toward. I do think it's possible. A relatively peaceful life. I like the serenity prayer. Reasonably happy life now and a like super duper happy life in the afterlife. <laughs> Supremely happy. Yeah. Yeah. That we can make our way toward that. Yeah. And boundaries make that possible. They really do. And I hope really genuinely hope that your husband starts to make healthy choices, but time will tell. Yep. Time will tell. So again, a great big thank you to my friend Lindsay for coming and spending so much time with us over these past four weeks. I'm so grateful for her. She is a really great example to me of someone who sets boundaries and is doing the best she can to be as healthy as possible. And I really, really genuinely admire her and I'm grateful for her friendship. I want to thank all of you who have donated to this podcast to make it possible for me to continue sharing this message of hope and healing and safety to women throughout the whole world. If you haven't already, please go to our website, btr.org, scroll down to the bottom, click on make a donation and set your monthly recurring donation today. Similarly, if you haven't already and you're so inclined, please rate this podcast on iTunes. Every single one of your ratings helps bump us up on search engines, and that means that as women are searching for things online, they find us. So it really helps women who are isolated get the information that they need. And until next week, stay safe out there.